putting that little part on Clamor. I cannot <laughs> believe that. I, that was wild. That was... I, I can't... First of all, I can't believe that you even suggested it. Well, she mentioned that she does it, so I, of course I want her to do it on our podcast. Great call. Great call, I gotta tell you, but... A little bit uncomfortable on my part, being that you were on the phone with it. I was thinking, I was like, oh man, this is bizarre, listening to an orgasm with my mother on the line. It's it's not something that normally occurs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh wow. I don't even know what to say right now. I'm all verklempt. Welcome to Sex Talk with my mom. I'm Cam Poder. I'm Karen Lee Poder. And this is the ultimate podcast about the birds and the bees. With the birds and the bees. I'm not going to go through it right now. Thank you. I know you're hungry. I'm starving. Can I be honest? I'm starving. I've been eating these Brazil nuts like they're going out of style. It is my fault because I got a little distracted. It's okay. I wasn't wasn't faking an orgasm though, which brings up a topic. Guys, this episode... (laughs) This episode is bonkers. I don't well, know how else to describe it. If, if our other episodes were not bonkers, we have now reached a new height. This was, Mom, would yes. you say that this was the most uncomfortable experience this... I've ever had with you or with anybody, I think, at this point? <laughs> I was just going to yeah. say the most uncomfortable experience we had making this podcast. But I think for sure the most uncomfortable experience maybe that we've experienced together. And what is it? Well, okay. Picture this for our listeners. We do these interviews via Skype. So my mother's in Chicago. I'm in Los Angeles. So we we're split the screen so we can see each other. So we can see each other. And we invited on this phone sex operator to join us. She has her own podcast. She's super intelligent. She's very well versed in the, the phone sex industry. And towards the end of this interview, I, I don't know what came over me. Yeah, it was not my doing. I just want to be clear about this. This was your doing. You Did, decided it would be a good idea to ask her to have an orgasm in front of us. Well, it was for our listeners, to be honest. I, I she mentioned well, it in, wasn't for you. It was for our listeners. It was she for our listeners. Curious bullshit. She was in, bullshit on that one. In the interview, she mentioned how she's done these podcasts before, and all at the end of all of them, she the interviewee asks her to have an orgasm, and she does. And I was shocked. I don't like, know. Last, what I, don't know I was how that came over you just to ask this. I don't know what I was expecting. I, I don't know why I thought it was just going to happen like magically, and it would be like, oh, that's a cute little thing. But it was like an intense experience with with sound effects and all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, so I for for the record, I, I'm not. I, I'm very grateful that she did this. I think everyone is going to get a kick out of this. It was just. Yeah. You do not want to miss this. I don't care what you need to do. You need to listen intently and and just get to this point because you're not going to experience something like this in a a long time after that. It's at the end of the second episode. So just listen all the way through. You're going to, it's a great buildup. The only thing that, why we say it was uncomfortable was because my mother and I were staring at each other as (laughs) she remained anonymously. It's Chloe, the the phone sex operator. and, And just... Have so we were basically looking at each other as we listened to her have an orgasm, and you can't you can't really like escape from this because we had to keep look, looking at each other because we were recording it. So it was just one of those things that once you once you get on the ride, you can't get off like on a roller coaster. <laughs> like you you know you, you you feel yourself going up 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 up, and you know you're gonna have that sick stomach feeling going down, but you cannot 
get off. And, and then, that's what this was like for me, at least. You, she, she asks me, she goes, are you ready for me to come? And I don't know how to yeah. respond. Yeah, are you ready for me to come, baby? Of course, Cam is so completely uncomfortable anyway. Even if you were one on one with a partner, you gotta admit you'd be uncomfortable if someone said, "Are you ready for me to come?" Oh my god! Especially when Wait I'm looking me. at you. Yeah. Well, I, well, looking at your mother. Are you? Oh my god! It was crazy. In, the, in an upcoming episode, we we just had an interview. An upcoming, upcoming episode. Spoiler alert! It's even more uncomfortable. It gets more uncomfortable. We interviewed Nina Hartley, who's a delight. Nina Hartley is a is one of the most infamous porn stars of uh, of the of our generation. Of who, my generation. who you actually quote in this in this Chloe Love episode? However, because I do have a fascination with her, and we are kindred spirits, I could tell you that. So, we interviewed Nina Hartley in person, all three of us together in our hotel room. And let's just say, she started teaching me how to make out with an earlobe. Yeah, she was trying to explain to you how to perform oral sex by using... Oh, no, that was kissing. And she, later on, she tried to explain to you how to give oral sex by using your hand as a as, as a clitoris. It was a very awkward moment again. Actually worse than this phone sex conversation, if that is even possible. And so we're trapped in this, this situation <laughs> where... where we're reaching limits. We're reaching boundaries that we we're have never. Boundaries. We're breaking boundaries that we've never crossed before, which is, you know, I don't know how comfortable I am to have a pseudo sexual encounter with someone while you're in the room or while I'm staring it's into so your bizarre. eyes. I never even had a pseudo sexual encounter like that with people my age that I don't know. I've never experienced anything like this. My friend goes to a, a, a topless beach with her son and takes her top off, and I'm freaking out that she could take her top off in front of her son. But meanwhile, I'm listening to a phone sex operator have an orgasm with you and then watching a porn star, a conic porn star, simulate giving head on your hand in front of me too. How about my was, earlobe? You're missing the and, whole earlobe thing. She was I, sucking on my earlobe. Why wasn't that... The the hand was fine. The earlobe was what really got me. Really? Did you like it? I I was totally t- taken out of it because I I was staring at you. I know I didn't what like if, it. <laughs> what if I wasn't there? If you weren't there, it would probably be arousing. It was just so awkward with you. It just no sexual encounters with you in the room. I think that's <laughs> okay. I agree. You think, we can I, t- you think I like it? We you can... think I feel like oh, this turns me on to to watch my son. <laughs> With a point, so it's really, really incestually creepy. I mean, it's, I don't like it either. So I think we have this boundary. It's just not fun to have any sexual act take place when you're in the room. I think we could talk about sex. We can we can explore the, the ideas surrounding sex, what but are you to experience. Do next, time? Well, next time this occurs, we need to say stop, mother, leave the room. No, I probably would tell her, hey, maybe maybe don't suck on my earlobe. She did offer. Okay, wait, you're ruining all that whole episode. You're, all the spoiler alert. This episode right now is really tremendous. It's one of my favorites that we're putting out. I think it is. I agree because Chloe, the phone sex operator, is really, really smart, funny, and open, very honest about everything. She's got a very sexy voice as a phone sex operator. See, now I didn't catch on to all that, but I, I can see from a, from your point of view. Well, I just edited the whole thing, and it was very apparent to me. She has a her voice is particularly sexy. That's cool. Yes, 
So this episode... Do you think you have a sexy voice? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you joking? One girl told me once that my voice makes her ears bleed. <laughs> this is a girl I had a crush on. That was the first encounter we had. Oh my God, that is so nice. I That's... went to try to pick... I, I, I had been That's... eyeing this girl for a long time. He was in college. I was eyeing this girl for a long time. We lived in the same dorm. I went to go flirt with her, and she said, Oh, my God. Your voice makes my ears bleed. That's so not a compliment. Well, did, had you gone through puberty then? Yes, I had gone through puberty. I just have this <laughs> accent that makes people's ear it, it, it doesn't resonate very well in a sexual way. Oh. I'm sorry to hear that. Someone, I think it also has something to do with the fact that I, I was hard of hearing as a child. Remember, you, you, no, you, you were t- not hard of hearing as a child. Didn't you? Say you it? had some ear infection, and at one point we were thinking of putting tubes in your ears, but you were not hard of hearing. The tubes you had in the ears. Issue. Why you do you think? Eye. You had an eye issue. I had all, issues with all of my senses. You had eye issues, definitely. Okay, eye what? Had to wear a patch <laughs> over your eye. Okay, okay. all right. For years. That's okay. another. That's another podcast for another podcast. It's my fault, probably, that you can't see out of one eye. Are you kidding? Of course. Why was my lazy <laughs> eye only noted at the age of seven when it was too late to correct? Excuse me. I think it was like five, seven. You in the ages? You're not good with the ages. I was in second grade. It was seven years old. Oh. I was blind as a bat. Okay. We got you a Pachasaurus. Okay, okay. You're ruining the whole story. The whole story we'll give it another time. Okay. Okay, so for this episode, for part one, we talk a lot about how Chloe became a phone sex operator, what it what is required to become a phone sex operator, operator what are the skills, the different types of calls she receives. Um, we dive into my mother's favorite topic, which is penis size. Oh, yeah. The importance of it. And... We spend a lot of time talking about fetishes. Oh, yeah. She knows a lot. I really, really tune into the foot fetish thing. Well, I'm not going to give anything away. Yes, but uh, she defines what a fetish is. She's extremely, extremely knowledgeable. And uh, I recommend checking out her podcast, which is Talking Dirty with Chloe Love. And uh, you can you can uh, tweet at her. She has some very risque tweets. Oh, Okay, then. At Chloe Love. That's C-H-L-O-E-L-U-V underscore P-S-O. At Chloe Love underscore P-S-O. And uh, she is a racy one. Buckle your seatbelts for that roller coaster ride (laughs) you're about to go on. She's awesome. We had an awesome time interviewing her, and I hope you enjoy this. Love y'all. Don't forget. Subscribe and download. Please subscribe to Sex Talk with My Mom. We'd really yeah, appreciate it. We really appreciate it. And call into the hotline. Just give us our, your questions and comments on a voicemail. It's 323-472-4237. Thanks so much. <laughs> Skype, make, Skype makes it easy for us. Yeah, I don't see you, but I hear you. Yeah, I don't do uh, video yet. Right, right, so. right. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's start. Here we go. We have a wonderful guest on the show today, Chloe Love. I feel like there, Hi, should, everyone. there should be like mm-hmm. a round of applause or something. When... <laughs> Chloe Love. We got to get a little box that does that for you. You know, you just push a button. Right. Okay. We, need... <laughs> and we, got, we found out about Chloe because she has a very interesting profession. 
and an interesting podcast. Well, maybe we start with that and, and let people know if you want to hear more of Chloe Love. Chloe, how do they find you? Well, I have a podcast. It's called Talk Dirty with Chloe Love. And I'm also fairly active on Twitter. So people can find me at Chloe Love underscore PSO on Twitter as well. Sweet. So. And PSO stands for Phone Sex Operator. It does. That's how I started Chloe Love. And uh, it's kind of evolved into the podcast and, and the rest of the stuff on the way. Very cool. Well, let's get down to it. How did you start becoming a phone sex operator? <laughs> oh, let's see. Okay, so I had a Twitter account before Chloe Love, and it was just kind of a private one. And I had developed some friendships with people that were involved in the kink community and BDSM community, and one in particular I'd grown very close to. And we were talking one day, and he said, you know, you'd make a great phone sex operator. And my first response was, uh, do they still have those? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess the idea just kind of stuck in my head. And within two weeks from that conversation, I was taking calls. It was very quick. It was kind of um, just a whim. And I started Chloe Love, uh, which is not tied to my phone sex identity. It's completely separate. And I did that so that I could write anonymously about my callers and the experiences that I was kind of having along the way. And um, from there, it just kind of grew. It, it, it was just uh, one step after the other kind of thing, you know, so That's here awesome. I am. <laughs> so yeah, have you had some very weird, weird conversations? Yes. yes. <laughs> way, way, yeah. Way weirder than I ever expected. So yeah, um, Cam and I have had some really weird uh, requests and conversations. And when I say weird, I'm not judging. I'm just saying weird. I would also I like, like, I like weird. So yeah, yeah, weird is different and we're different uh -huh. is good. I, I actually go ahead. I Sorry, tend not to have these requests. It's usually you that, that gets the requests. Oh, me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I get really strange. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, we've talked about this several times. Some of the things that some men want to do and, and the things that they send me, you know, I mean, it's sure. like, I don't need to wake up in the morning to see a giant penis in my face you know <laughs> it just doesn't that's not the way I want to open up my twitter I get a lot of dick pics I actually uh I hit my record last week I think <laughs> uh yeah 43 in one day oh my god you got and, me beat Thank you. Uh, well I get a lot of them I'm very sexually open so and I think as a woman you know a lot of men will come to me a lot of times it's for advice like this they'll send me a picture and say is this normal or am I small or things like that and I, I really don't mind that but Oh, it let's is kind of stay weird. on it. Yeah. Just, yeah. It always is on every 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 show that I do. It comes up the size yeah. and how important is it? So what have you found in all your discussions? Well, I find that actually the men that are the most insecure about size generally aren't very small. And I think there's just this real misconception about what women think is big and totally. what is is big, you know. So I, I kind of remind people, men in particular, that you know the average penis size in the United States is only five point one inches. You know, so erect. You know, a lot of people think uh, like women want monster cocks all the time, like eight inches, and most women couldn't even take that if they wanted to. So I, I just reassure not want them. It either it's frightening. Right. Exactly. You know, it hurts. Like once you start hitting that cervix, it's just a no go. So. I agree. 100%. Um, so I. I also think you have to work with what you have, you know, so uh, my my goal usually in that situation is to kind of encourage them uh, to take the shame away and, and, you know, not focus on that type of stuff. And to remember that just because they're obsessed with it doesn't mean that the woman is. The woman's probably not even thinking about that. So At all. No, not at all. And I have had calls from guys that have micro penises, which is less than two inches. 
So I always tell them, count your blessings, you know, it could be worse. (laughs) (laughs) There's always a bright side of that one. There are things you could do with that too. There's all kinds of penis extenders, et cetera. But I mean, the majority of people don't have micro penises. And for whatever reason, it's like the bigger toys, the better. And it doesn't necessarily translate like that into sex. I I find it to be completely about a completely different issue, which is how it fits and what they do with it. So absolutely, absolutely. And how they make you feel, you know, that's the thing is, and I, I kind of realized this along the way, I kept trying to tell men, you know, you're sending a dick pic to a girl, we're not visual. I mean, not like men are. So we don't get stimulated just from seeing a picture. Like a guy sees a nude picture and it's immediately arousing to to them. But most women, it takes more than just a picture of a penis, you know. So, um, but they keep sending it. And then I started to realize that they were really doing it for me. They're doing it, even the guys that are doing it as a come on, they're doing it for themselves. They're doing it to build their own confidence. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and uh, and kind of the same feeling a woman has whenever she, you know, shares a picture of herself. There's this trepidation, you know, will they judge me? Will I be good enough? You know, will they think I'm sexy? And I think for men, cock shots are kind of the same way. They just, you know, they need that affirmation. And I have no problem doing that. Although I do joke that I'm going to publish a coffee table book. It's going to be a pop, a pop up, you know, <laughs> a pop up, <laughs> a to Z. Cam, I tell them flat Cam, out. Do you, you know? have this issue with penis size? Not really. I kind of got over the insecurity when I was younger. I, I, I have no idea. I, I feel like it's just going to remain the same. It's kind of looked the same all my life. So I don't know if it's going to, it's not changing anytime soon. So yeah, accept it. Yeah. Right. Well, and there are options like, uh, there's, um, uh, uh, there are penis pumps that work a lot better now than, you know, in the past. And I know, like, I always recommend the bathmate, which, uh, it, you know, I've just, it's been reviewed very well. I, I recommended it to a caller and my caller was just ecstatic about it. Like, what in me. God's so, name is that? It's some type of a hydro pump, you know, and, uh, I actually learned about it on a website. This guy's name is the good looking loser. And, uh, he has like, you know, a ton of followers and he's always like, you know, teaching guys, you know, how to hit on a girl at a bookstore. You know, he's kind of uh, that guy, but he goes very, very in-depth. So not only did he try out this bathmate thing, but he actually shows on video, you know, the whole process and over the course of months and months, like what it does. And so just by chance, I recommended it to a caller. My caller called me back a couple months later and he said it was life changing to him. So I do think that there are options. He's great. His name is Chris. He's, he's fantastic. I highly recommend him. So does a penis pump change it for good or does it, is it just like a one, is it a one-time thing or every day you got to pump your penis with whatever that is? I think it's pretty regular. I'm not sure that it's every day. I think it's more of like an every other day thing. And it does change you permanently eventually. Like it's, oh, wow. it's, yeah, exactly. So, um, but I think most people continue to use it over time. And so far, everybody that I've talked to that's tried it has positive things to say about it. It's increased girth and it's, you know, so, um, so I, I've started recommending it. I mean, I think that that's all the testimony I need. So, yeah. yeah. What, I mean, what does it even pump? Does it, just I don't I don't understand how I it works. I think what it does, right? And uh, I mean, like I said, you could check out the Good Looking Losers website, and he can explain it a lot better than I can. But I think what it does basically is it increases the blood flow, and then so it's breaking apart, you know, the the 
I don't know if it's the capillaries or if it's just uh, creating more pressure and then gradually increasing how much pressure it can take. So uh, gradually growing bigger over time, you know, an inch or two usually. So oh, that's wow. what I heard. Right. It's, it's significant. I, I think a lot of it is girth, you know, which that's any girl I... will tell you is better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, and uh, like I said, I don't, I don't know all the specifics necessarily as much as that. Anytime a guy really, really struggles with his penis size, I recommend it. And so far, all of my feedback has been positive. Wow. So, hmm, we'll so look into that one. try it out. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just like getting a boob job for a girl. You know, you, nowadays, if you're unhappy with certain parts of your anatomy, it, it can be changed. So, Well, actually, a relative of mine, a close relative, I can't name names. Uh, actually, it's my first cousin. Um, <laughs> but he, but don't, he don't is, say the name. <laughs> he, he is one of the foremost authority surgeons and on increasing the size of, of penises. And I have not been able to get him on my show, but, uh, Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. yeah and he's, that's like a family requirement. I know. How can he not have? I, I don't know. He's, maybe he's kind of shy or something, but, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the fact of the matter is people come from all over the world to get their penis extended by him. He's just one of the, the best out there. So that's fantastic. I mean, I just think, you know, it's such a central thing for a man to have a, a healthy sex life. And once he gets hung up on that, you know, yeah. mentally, it's just really hard to get past it. So I'm all for it, you know, not even for the size, but for the psychological factors involved. So mm-hmm. but can I just say something to our listeners? It's it's not about the size. It's what you do with it. And yeah, exactly. it, not only that, but if you can please the woman and you can make her have a the best orgasm she doesn't give a shit what size your penis is that's right it's such a small part of the whole sex act and i always recommend like fine positionings you know things like that you know like if you're hitting her g-spot it's not the size of your cock that's going to matter it's it's where you're getting her so i agree i agree with that said i mean i do think that there's unfortunately a a limit of how small you can go right 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 i mean that's like one or two percent compared to the, the average yeah. males, five to six yeah. inches. Enough with the obsession. But really, I've had my YouTube channel for three years, and the mo- if I go through the list of the most popular videos, it's almost it's comical. Penis size, porn stars, what they think about penis size, urologists, what they think about penis size, prostitutes, yeah. what they think about penis size, and those are the popular ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not yep. like reinventing yourself after divorce. <laughs> well, I, I think it's one of those questions men have a difficult time. That's that's why I get so many cock shots. You know, um, men have a difficult time knowing who to ask those questions and are they being honest? And, you know, you read an article about it, it doesn't make you feel better. You get out of tape measure, it doesn't make you feel better. But to hear a woman say, you're fine. You know, it's like, don't mm-hmm. worry. No girl's going to see your penis and think, oh, you're so small. So just get over it as best you can. But I relate it to the way women feel about their bodies, uh, especially like, you know, ch- chubbier girls or, or somebody that's dealt with weight issues in their lives. No matter how many times you tell her she's perfect, she will never believe it because it's psychological and she needs to overcome that. And it's the same thing for guys. They need to psychologically overcome the thought that they have a shortcoming. <laughs> so And that bigger is better because bigger is not better. Right. Like you said, right. it, it could be actually worse. It is worse. And yeah. I've had guys write to me about that, too, that they have very large ones and it's not it, it's it's actually a, a, a problem for them because then women are scared of them. Well, and also you can't, a lot of girls can't take that much. So you're in a situation where as a man, you can't even, you know, go balls deep. So I think if you're going to take the alternatives, it's probably better to, uh, be average. to be a little smaller average. Yeah. Yeah. And a girl doesn't see an average penis and think, oh, it's average. You know, I mean, to her, it's just a penis, you know, it's, it's there to do a job. So yeah, I've never yeah. ever gotten out of tape measure. 
know. Yeah. 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 I don't know why. I know. So <laughs> unless it was huge, then I might, you know, but <laughs> Chloe, who are these guys sending you dick pics? Mostly it's my Twitter followers. Ah. You know, I, um, I, I'm really open. I always have been, um, just very sexual in nature. And so people kind me of know too, that they Chloe. can tell me anything. Yeah. Yeah. You so know, I think everybody asks me that. Why, when, how did that happen? I don't know. It's just, you I know, know it's how you just, it's how you're wired. Some people are just wired to be open about it. I do think that there's some genetics involved. Me you know, I, I hate to think about like my parents being sexual, like who does, but <laughs> at the same time, like I, I know like most of the people in my family are highly sexual. So I do think that there might be some genetics involved, but yeah, I don't know how it happens. I just, I've always been obsessed with sex. As soon as I hit puberty, it was pretty much, you know, even just the thought of it, like the fantasy of it. I, I didn't necessarily get in relationships right away so much as I just fantasized and masturbated a lot. You know, so. But I think most people are like that. It's just whether or not they're more open about it. And that's what's so good about what I think Cam and I are doing. We're opening up the dialogue about sex, at, you know, between parents and and kids and just between people in general, just opening it up and talking about things because a lot of people have the exact same issues and why hide it? Well, it's such a big part of our lives, you know, especially a healthy life is sex. So to have it be this repressed thing. And I see that a lot, like people that were raised in repressive environments tend to kind of repress themselves more. And, and so, yeah, I try to do the same. I, I want people to feel comfortable talking to me and know that I'm not going to judge them no matter what they tell me. And I I mean, like you said, I've heard some pretty weird stuff. So, yeah. Do you think, um, do you think that those, that fetishes come from, where, where do those usually manifest from? Um, it's interesting because I, I wrote actually a five-part series on foot fetishes. It's by far, hands down, the most common fetish. Interesting. Right? I, I had a couple guys wanting to see pictures of my feet. Yeah. So, um, so you kind of have to separate, <laughs> right? You have to separate kind of fetishes in general from, from f- foot fetishes, first of all, because hmm. there are other components coming into feet as opposed to other things. But most fetishes develop psychologically in adolescence while you're going through puberty it's kind of a displacement of arousal so say a man is very insecure about girls you know one of the theories is is that he approaches her he's looking down at her feet instead of her breast or her face you know Ah. so it complicates it but with feet particularly in our brains the way our brain sees our body uh, our feet are next to our genitals so there are a lot of neurological theories that suggest that there's some sort of cross-wiring going on, which is hmm. why you see an, an attraction to feet as opposed to a foot fetish. A foot fetish means that that is the only way somebody can get off. Feet are the only thing that does that for them. Uh, there's no attraction to the genitals. There's no attraction to really anything else. It is strictly just feet. So uh, that's the separation kind of you have to make in your head between fetishes and being attracted to feet. Oh, and that comes from that. So. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, with shoes or without shoes, does that have anything to do with all this? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's there are certain things that are more common, like uh, bare feet are more common, you know. But um, you know, different types of objects associated with feet, like nylons or um, high heels, are, are right up there as far as uh, uh, statistically being somebody's fetish, you know. So um, it's also important to to point out that according to like you know psychology, you only have a fetish. If it's if it's creating problems in your life, 
So in other oh. words, like no, no matter what you're into, as long as it's consensual, uh, it's no longer considered a psychological disorder. It's, it's only considered that if, if it's inter- interrupting with like the quality of life you're having. So wow. that's I, what I, I always thought of it that way as well. Mm-hmm. I never knew that fetish implies uh, sexual like issues. I thought it was just like a, just a different way of having sex. No, no. Um, actually, a fetish, by definition, is a displacement of a displacement away from from the genitals to something else. Wow. So uh, you know, and it's always been tied really closely to psychology. It comes from like the late 1800s when psychology was just kind of starting. They used fetishes to kind of define atypical sexuality. And and so there was always kind of a negative connotation with it. And, uh, you know, it was considered a type of uh, insanity or depravity, you know, something that was um, a negative. And it's just kind of like our views and psychology's views of fetishes have slowly evolved over time. And of course, it's like any word, like people start using it all the time for everything and it loses its meaning. So, but technically. So so being attracted to older women, is that considered a fetish or is that considered just an attraction? I would say that's just a preference. A preference. Uh, Yes. I mean, and what we're talking about is the, you know, the psychological manual. So the American Psychiatric Association uh, lists paraphilias, which are any type of atypical sexual behavior. So if if a guy exclusively could only sleep with older men, it may or older women, either way, I guess, <laughs> it would, yeah, right. It would fall into that category. You know, it, it, it may be considered a paraphilia. But again, unless it's non-consensual, it isn't considered a type of psychological disorder. It's just a preference. So. Chloe, you, it sounds like you know a lot about this. Is it, I saw on your website you studied psychology. I did, yes. Uh, biopsychology, actually. Oh, wow. So this is right in there. So I wanted to be a neurologist, but at the time uh, I wasn't smart enough. <laughs> no. oh, you sound pretty bright. I think you could do it. Maybe. I, I actually took a detour after college. I uh, My senior year I took an internship at a state hospital on an adolescent ward, and it was just really emotionally difficult for me. And yeah. I, one of the shrinks told me that if you become a psychologist, psychiatrist, you have two choices. Either you take it home every night and you feel their pain, or you dissociate from it. And I just didn't really feel like those were good options at the time. Uh-huh. And so I just, you I know, I, I never took a psych correct. job. I, I actually have a social work degree and I worked in the schools for many years and I, I found it to be very depressing. And, and uh, I'd wait till the end of the week, to, you know, every, every day, like I can't wait for it to be Friday to be over. Yeah. So yeah. although it was rewarding, it was also extremely depressing. And I would have no mental energy when I'd come home to even pet the dog. Right. Or to give yourself to anybody else. Right. You know, I find that right. it just kind of taxed me completely. And I did have, I mean, I was working at a, at a state hospital. So you have children that are so institutionalized and haven't seen their parents maybe ever, you know, uh, we're talking about like the lowest of low. So it, it was incredibly emotionally difficult for me. Hmm. So I, I, I quit and I went and worked in the music business for a while instead. Oh, wow. <laughs> Those kind of neurotic people I can handle. So. <laughs> they got a lot of fetishes there, too. Oh, yes. So back to fetishes. S&M considered a fetish? Yes, yes. Um, sadomasochism is, is considered a paraphilia, not so much a fetish. You know, a fetish is pretty much exclusively reserved for people that are displacing sexuality, like we talked about, an mm-hmm. object or uh, something like that. Whereas um, BDSM, most things that fall under that category are considered paraphilias. Hmm. So, and and if we're sticking with that topic, then it, there's a continuum of that too. I mean, some you can consider like if you want just a gentle spanking to be paraphilia, right? But, or it can go sure. all the way to you know being hung up by your toenails or something. 
Yeah, oh yeah. Hooks. That's a, that's a popular one. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Right, right. They hang them up by their vaginas too. Oh, like, oh just my crazy God. stuff. <laughs> yeah, like it's fiction or something. Uh, right. God. Well, I, I mean, I, I've been to a lot of sex parties, and and I've seen a lot in the BDSM community in the in the scene, and I, I just kind of follow the general thing, you know, safe, safe, sane, consensual. And to me, it pretty much comes down to consensual because safe and sane are things that are difficult to define for somebody else. So right. some I just people like to be actually some people like that. You know, who knows if that's safe or not? Who knows? Right. Um, or psychologically safe. I mean, it's really between two people. Every person's sexuality is so unique that I think it's just really great to go out and kind of find out who you are and, and experiment with different things and, you know, find where you're comfortable. So I, I don't believe in sexual shame, you know, uh, unless you're hurting somebody else. And then that's where I, of course, draw the line. But um, beyond that, like, I don't care what you're into. I, I honestly, like, I just want people to be happy. <laughs> so, what, what about this this friend of mine who said her her uh, boyfriend wanted her to he wanted to get into her panties with him? Okay, yeah, he miniature. Wanted... <laughs> so miniaturization. That's a miniaturization. I call them all. <laughs> I call them all Prince Charles because remember Prince Charles. That's that was the recorded messages he had with his mistress as he wanted to live in her panties. Oh wow. Right. So um, it's actually giantess is the other form of that where it's it's a giant woman or something. And I just saw on Pornhub stats for last year that it's the number one growing search term this year. It's grown by like a thousand percent. What is it called? It's called. Well, I call it miniaturization porn, but um, a lot of people call it giantess you know, um, huge women. And that crosses over actually into some foot fetishes where some guys have like stomping fetishes, which do you know what that is? No. Right. Well, they want you to, there's all kinds of things. They want a woman in high heels to like smash her foot down on different things. And sometimes it's a stuffed animal or an egg. And sometimes it's, you know, I mean, there are some really cruel ones where they do small animals and, you know, it gets pretty depraved. And I, I know a lot of people with foot fetishes, do not consider that a type of foot fetish because it draws from a different source. But yeah, that's um, almost that's, like serial killer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that disgusting. a lot of times it is right, and that a lot of times though crosses over into these miniaturization or giantess things, and they're all basically a form of female domination. And mm-hmm. I see that a lot. I'd say behind foot fetishes, sissy boys is the most common phone sex call. So, well, let's uh, give me an example. Common. Like, let's say I call, hi, I've got a, uh, I want you to dominate me. What would they? What would happen? There's, I've, I'm a submissive sexually, so dominating men was a was a hard thing for me to learn. Um, but I found out that there are different types. There are men that are like I have a sissy boy caller that's really really into humiliation, and I'm more of a facilitator for him. He wants me to kind of act out, you know, taking him to a church and being strapped to an altar and having a priest fuck him in the ass kind Whoa. of stuff because he I know right. And then I, I I have a hard time knowing how to react to that because he's constantly asking me like. Chloe, am I normal? Is this normal? Am I okay? And it's like, yeah, are we, yeah, are we acting? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's hard sometimes to draw that line between what they want from you and what what I want to be like, no, you need help. You know? yeah. or, or sometimes, you know, or I just want to be like, you know, I don't mean that. Like you say something mean, but then you have like different variations. Uh, I have one caller that's one of my favorites. Um, I call him the professor. He was my second caller and he's more into you know, not having a choice. Like he explained it to me. He used Mae West as an example, and he's an older man. And he, uh, 
he said that he wants to feel like he's not given a choice, almost like he's being interrogated by a female spy and she's using sexuality and the fact that, you know, she can control him through her sexuality to dominate him, which is less humiliation and more just kind of female empowerment. So those those types I can I can really get into. You need a theatrical but, hmm. background. You do. Oh, that, they call it voice actress, you know, and there's a reason. It's it's 90% of it's role play. You know, I get three basic types of callers. I get fetish and taboo, and then I get girlfriend seekers, and then I get what I call wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And they all kind of are self-explanatory. And I'd say of that, 60% of my calls are probably fetish and taboo. So that they're specifically into a certain type of kink, and there's a whole bunch. And uh, you can kind of understand why they'd call a phone sex operator because you know, they're allowed to use their imaginations more as opposed to a cam girl. And also probably it takes away a little bit of the fear of having to share something that a lot of times guys carry a lot of shame and humiliation mm-hmm. around with because of. So, I was going to ask you, you said earlier that men tend to be more visually um, aroused. So how does that affect um, talking to them over the phone? Because there's no visuals there. Right. Well, we do use pictures, which may help them, um, an assortment of pictures. Like you can either, as a phone sex operator, you can either use your own pictures or you can choose from a catalog of models and then oh, use wow. you know, 10 or 15 of their pictures. Um, so depending on what you choose, they do have that visual aid. But I think there's a certain type of man that calls a phone sex operator. A lot of my callers are older. So I imagine they, they're used to, especially the girlfriend seekers, you know, in, in times past before cell phones and before the internet, and before chatting, stuff like that, texting, everything was done on the phone. And I think that they just kind of miss that intimate connection that they used to feel by having a conversation with a girl. Hmm. So I just think it taps into a different part of guys. And I do think that there's a certain type of guy that generally calls a phone sex operator. So except for maybe the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. But those a lot of times are like drunk guys after the bar, didn't get laid. Just oh, they wow. just want to get off. They don't want to they don't want to get off by themselves. So what are your hours? <laughs> um, well, actually, I'm down to just taking calls on Friday right now. Uh, and that, that has a lot to do with I became a phone sets operator because of the excitement of it and to learn lots of things. And it's kind of uh, been it for over a year and a half. And I've taken a few breaks, but it's gotten to a point where I have so many regulars that it, it, there's nothing new. So it's not very exciting anymore. Mm. And they get really emotionally attached to me, which becomes more and more difficult the more time that passes. And I think most phone sex operators, that's what they, they want. You know, there's nothing better than regulars. Regular, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. But for me, it was never about the money. It was about, uh, you know, I started Chloe Love so I could write more and have material to write. As a writer, I was uh, dealing with a lot of feelings of inadequacy and feeling like I was writing what everybody else was writing and just I just felt very stale so Hmm. that was a huge component to doing this for me so I'm down to just taking calls on Friday and uh and I'm thinking about either switching companies so I can start over or just taking a break from it for a while and then trying something new in the future maybe cam girl or stripper you know something else do you have do you have to go through a company or could you do this on your own privately you can't you can do it on your own, but I wouldn't recommend it to somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. Um, If you really wanted to go without, like there are different types of phone sex companies. I work for a dispatch company, which is the lowest paid phone sex operator. We get paid, like I get paid, the smallest block of time you can talk to me is 15 minutes. 
and uh, I get paid five dollars. My company gets about fifteen of that. You know, they get fifteen, I get five. Oh wow! So, um, so it, you take a huge pay cut, but at the same time, you're being routed through a computer. It's very safe. You know, it's uh, it's the easiest job to get. Because so that's another thing about phone sex is there's no training. And most companies that have a good reputation or you're going to make more money won't hire you if you don't have experience. So you have to start at one of these few companies that allow that. And some of them are very predatory in how they deal with their girls. And Hmm. uh, so, um, you know, I had certain requirements. There's a a PSO forum site. It's called Text Delicious. And I always recommend it if anybody's getting into it. It has absolutely every piece of current advice you would ever want on being a phone sex operator. It's how I found my job. It's how I recommend other girls do it too. So hmm. well, it doesn't, track it of doesn't sound like it's a no. very lucrative position then if you're only making like, you know, five bucks for a half hour. Well, it sounds like uh, it's for a, 15 minutes, $5 for 15, 15 minutes, right? So right? 20, what is $6 it? if they request me specifically, but my company allows tips. Mm. I mean, and not all companies do. And some companies that do will take a chunk of of a girl's tips. But my company up to $1,000, they let us keep it completely. After it hits over $1,000 in a single tip, then they take, I think, 20% or something, which is pretty reasonable. But um, but a lot of companies don't do that. So that's part of it. It can be really profitable. The biggest downside to making money in phone sex is that your phone sits idle for too long. You know, so unless you have some way to ensure that you're getting calls or that you're going to keep regulars. Like you're going to spend a lot of time just waiting for the phone to ring and that can be really difficult. So Mm. boring. How how long do calls usually last for? I'd say my average call is about an hour. You know, I I have um, maybe because I got into this because it was exciting to me. I, I never really had any problems. I've never had a caller not call me back. Um, ever. I don't think maybe a couple that were, uh, yeah, I can't. I can't think of wow. any. Oh, I, I have had a couple of weird calls. Like people call phone sex operators for all kinds of weird reasons. It's not always sexual, and some of those haven't called me back. Like I, I had a guy call me once. I, I wrote a post about it actually because it was so bizarre. And in the first half hour, he confessed to me that he was a teacher at a high school, and he had started having sex with one of his students. Oh wow! And another right, and another student had found out, and she was gonna. She gave him. This was a Friday night, and she gave him till Monday to turn himself in, or she was going to do it. And oh he called me God. and asked me if I would turn him in. Oh my God! What? what do you do? <laughs> right. So. Um, I started asking for the information that I would need to call the police. And uh, and then my time ran out. So he's like, I'll call you back in five minutes. And so in that five minutes, I got online and I started kind of researching the stuff he had told me. And, you know, my brain was a little frazzled. It was very stressful. And, and I, I kind of found some confirmation. There was a high school that had the same name, but I couldn't find a name of a teacher. And when he called me back, it was like, at first, you know, I had all that nerves. I thought it was 100% real. I was yeah, starting bullshit. to... Right. It was. It was some kind of weird fantasy. And actually Whoa. the fantasy, I know, right? <laughs> so like, I'm I'm having anxiety attacks and I'm starting to think about like how this will fit into my real life, you know, because all phone sex is fantasy and what does this mean? And, you know, I need to call my boss and all that kind of stuff. But there were little things he wouldn't, he didn't give it up right away. There were little things I'd ask him where he wouldn't tell me. And then kind of you get these trigger statements in phone sex where a guy will repeat something over and over. And I've learned that that's kind of what they want from you. That's like them giving you a clue. So he started saying things like, 
um, well, do you think that's bad? And if you had a niece, would you want, would you, would you want to kill me for doing that to her? And like, it just started to turn into kind of a humiliation fantasy or instead. That's what it was. He, he had this weird fantasy about being on death row with like an all female guard. (laughs) Oh my gosh. what job, what job would I want to do? Like, would you want to put the hood over me because he was going to be hung, you know, or would oh, you push I the button? Have, that just that right. I would so, have been like, I want to put those probes on your, your scrotum. Right. <laughs> right. But I mean, you don't see, you'd be good at phone, phone sex. Oh, because, no, I'd be great. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and that's, that's who makes money. The dominatrix. They oh, make I have no problem with money. that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, and that was the first half of our interview with Chloe Love, PSO. Oh, my God. It, she's amazing. I just love everything she talks about. Very cool lady. How did you like the fact that she said you would be a good phone sex operator because of your dominatrix qualities? I, I tend to agree with her. I mean, I can go both ways, though. I can either be the, the more the assertive dominatrix type or I can be the submissive type. It just, I, you know, I go, I go both ways. Yeah, but are you into like this, this, the whole like sub dom culture or these if are just. If I was a phone sex operator, I'd be into it. I think they, they love that. You know, uh, Mark Maron has a, one of his uh, episodes of his uh, WTF Netflix show. Oh, no, the show. Maron? And he has an episode with, with um, a dom and, and, and she's dressed up in all leather with a whip and everything. It's an extremely funny episode. And I could see myself doing that. You can, have you done that before? Never. What do you think? I'm a prostitute? What are you asking me that question? Not everyone that... that uses whips and chains and everything oh, is a I you prostitute. Have I ever done that? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Have I ever like got dressed with whips and chains? No. But have I used whips during sex? Yes. I definitely have done that. The f- what? Not a huge like whip like for a horse or something, but little like sex toy whips. I've done that. Yeah. It's fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Mom, you're more advanced than I am. Uh, th- well, hello. I'm... I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the hell to say to that one, but I am much older than you. And that is the understatement of the year, is what that is. Okay, yeah. I mean, not everybody has experimented with that stuff, but I think that the more you experiment with all different types of um, sex, um, the more that your life will be fulfilled, and and you won't have any need to, you know, change partners as much because you're you're enhancing your. You've sex spiced life. it up. You spice. It's called spicing it up. Yeah. And well, she definitely knows how to spice it up. I don't know if I'd go as far as her with the threesomes and everything else. but Well, she gets into that in the second part of this series. you got to listen to part two. She talks all about these tips for dirty talking, role playing. And that's uh, a good one because I do get a lot of questions like that on my YouTube channel. Oh, and how she goes into dirty? detail. She, she explains it. Yes. And you were definitely trying to get me to talk dirty with her, but I was not acquiescing. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine. Okay, well, also we we have our we've set up our new boundaries. We're not going to do any of this phone sex stuff, like you know, with you on the line. Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna look at each other for sure. That's for sure. All right, so stay tuned for this following episode. Please subscribe to our podcast podcast at Sex Talk with My Mom. You can find Are you us all on tied now a little bit. You can find us on uh, the podcast app on Stitcher on Acast. Uh, you can also reach us on Facebook and Instagram at Sex Talk with My Mom and, and iTunes. And on iTunes. And uh, download on, it on iTunes. On Twitter at Sex Talk Podcast. And of course, we would love it. If you'd call in on our hotline, you don't have to give your name. Uh, it's a voicemail hotline only. 
323-472-4237. We say hotline because you could talk about hot topics on there and we'll bring them up on our show. <laughs> How exciting. All right. Listen to episode two. It really is when it gets heated up. And you get to hear that live demonstration of a real live orgasm. My Lord. <laughs> Bye. Love y'all.